federal regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to the Election Day edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I'm glad that you're with me on the program today. Coming up in just a matter of moments, our friend uh, Selena Zito going to be with us from the Washington Examiner, New York Post, and uh, CNN, talking about what to look for in Pennsylvania as the uh, returns start to come in. Now, just keep in mind, by the way, that uh, we will likely not know uh, the winner tonight in Pennsylvania because the uh, Pennsylvania State Supreme Court uh, and the U.S. Supreme Court has agreed that uh, ballots that are received up to three days after the election uh, can still be counted. Okay, But we can start to get an idea of how Donald Trump is performing in this uh, key battleground state. We talked on yesterday's program about a couple of House races on the East Coast to watch. I do want to let you know before we get to Selena Zito about a couple of other issues uh, specifically that gun owners should keep an eye on tonight. Uh, We do not have any gun control initiatives on ballots across the country, so nothing in California, nothing in Washington State for the first time, and I believe like three election cycles, there's no gun control referendum on the ballot in Washington State. Uh, Instead, in several Oregon counties, you've got uh, Second Amendment sanctuary resolutions that are going before voters. So Coos County, Oregon, for example, voters there are going to get to decide whether or not they want to declare uh, Coos County to be a Second Amendment sanctuary. And in the state of Montana, there's a ballot initiative that has to do with firearms preemption. Gun control advocates have for a number of years in Montana uh, tried to get um, uh, firearms preemption language removed. They've actually sued uh, the state. Uh, I think it was Billings, Montana. Local government there put in place a background check law completely in violation of state firearms preemption law. They were sued. Ultimately, the attorney general weighed in and said, hey, you know, you can't do this. And uh, finally, the Montana State Supreme Court agreed and uh, struck down that local ordinance. So as a result of the gun control uh, activists trying to undo firearms preemption, uh, pro-Second Amendment voters have managed to put in place a ballot referendum that would make it abundantly clear, crystal clear, that local governments in the state cannot uh, implement their own local gun control laws. This uh, originally was a piece of legislation. It passed out of the legislature, was vetoed by Governor Steve Bullock at the end of the 2019 session. And so uh, they decided, all right, you know what, let's put this before the voters because the governor can't veto a ballot referendum. Uh, So I'm going to be watching this very closely. It's LR 130. And I apologize. I said it was Billings, Montana. Now, it was Missoula, Montana that instituted their local universal uh, background check language only to have it rejected by the Montana State Supreme Court. So gun owners in Montana have a chance uh, to send a, a message loud and clear that uh, they do not want their rights infringed by local governments there uh, in the big sky state. So we'll be watching that very closely as well. Uh, but again, I think a lot of eyes are going to be on Pennsylvania in the early hours, even knowing that we're not going to get the final results for several days. This is a state that is so crucially important to both the Biden and Trump campaigns Wanted to uh, focus on a little bit with our friend Selena Zito, who knows the uh, state's politics like no other reporter that I'm aware of. Take a look and a listen. Selena, thank you so much for spending some of your election day with us. I really appreciate your time. 
Oh, my goodness. Thanks so much for having me. I can't imagine wanting to be anywhere else. Uh, you know, it has become sort of an Election Day tradition to uh, for you and I to talk. So I, I'm really glad that you're with us. And uh, you are uh, at home in western Pennsylvania today. And, of course, you know, we keep hearing that Pennsylvania is going to be absolutely crucial to both the uh, Biden and Trump campaigns. It's hard to see a path for victory for Donald Trump uh, if he doesn't win Pennsylvania. Uh, Joe Biden has uh, maybe a, a couple of other opportunities, uh, even if he were to lose Pennsylvania. But this is going to be absolutely key. And you've got a, a piece right now at the Washington Examiner on what to watch for tonight uh, as the votes start coming in. Right. So what should we be paying close attention to? And, and where are some of the areas of the state that uh, are, are critically important for uh, for Donald Trump if he's going to win the state tonight? Uh, well, so much. First of all, thanks so much for having me on. Um, I just got back from voting myself. Um, and I will, I will just disagree with you a little bit about your premise that Donald Trump has to win Pennsylvania and Biden has to, it doesn't matter for him. I personally think that it's the opposite. And I would point to both John Kerry and Al Gore, who both lost Pennsylvania in 2004 and 2000, but went, um, um, I mean, won Pennsylvania, but went on to lose the election. Um, but it is certainly, look, it's, it's the bellwether. It's the key. If Trump is winning here tonight, he has won, uh, states like North Carolina, Arizona, Florida, um, uh, Texas, states that Iowa, states that, um, um, uh, that, that pollsters have said were on the line for Republicans, but are less Republican in, uh, voting patterns than Pennsylvania. So tonight I would, um, I, I sort of laid it out. You can go to SelenaDito.com uh, and check it out for my examiner piece on what, what to watch tonight, what counties to keep an eye on to tell us what's going to happen in the state. Now, we will not know the election results tonight in Pennsylvania. Right. Um, uh, but so I would first of all tell, tell people to keep an eye on Allegheny County. Um, this is a blue county. It surrounds Pittsburgh. Uh, Trump would never win it. But if he is exceeding 39% support here, um, he might be having a good night. Um, then if you go to the counties outside of that, sort of the think of color counties, they surround um, uh, Allegheny, and it's where a lot of suburban um Pittsburgh, Western Pennsylvania voters live. They're also rural and exurban. So Washington, Fayette, Westmoreland, Green, and Cambria counties. This cluster of Western Pennsylvania counties turned out for a big way for Donald Trump in 2016. Uh, in 2008, they were all Democrat majority. By this, uh, by this time, by last week, rather, they have all now have um, voter registration that favors Republicans. Uh, he turned out 2,000 more voters, Trump, in 2016 over Mitt Romney's numbers in 2012. Trump needs to all, not only continue with that enthusiasm, he needs to get about 2 to 3% more voters, about 1,000 more voters out of those counties to offset whatever happens in Philadelphia and her caller county. I think it's doable. Certainly the enthusiasm backs that up, but also new voter registration, new Republican voter registration mm -hmm. also gives a hint that this is 
very possible. Yeah, and you and I talked, uh, I think the last time you and I spoke, we were talking about some of the elected officials in these counties that have flipped from Democrat to Republican. There have been a number of county sheriffs and other uh, elected officials, lifelong Democrats, uh, who over the past few months have said, look, the, the, the Democrat Party um, has left me behind and I don't feel comfortable there anymore. Uh, if, if that's you know taking place among elected officials, uh, I can only imagine how many voters are feeling the same way. Right. And, and so a lot of these voters don't have sort of the luxury or maybe they're just afraid, afraid of the societal consequences. What do I mean by that? Um, not getting invited to the black party. Not being able to network, not go to the yoga studio. If, if they profess their support for Trump, in particular in suburban areas. So, um, there, uh, there is, in all of this polling, I always sort of give Trump one and a half to two and a half percent more than what the polls show because of the side Trump voter. Okay. And, 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 you know, I mean, listen, I know a lot of Trump supporters who would say, Selena, that number is way too low. The number of shy <laughs> Trump voters is, is actually much higher than that. But uh, again, I know that you want to be small C conservative in your estimates here because, uh, again, that's something that can't be measured. I know that a lot of pollsters have been, you know, trying to figure out, OK, how do we measure that shy Trump effect and how do we try to factor that into our polls? And, you know, I don't know that it can be done because even if you look back at 2016 when the shy Trump voter was definitely a phenomena, I don't know how that necessarily directly compares to 2020 because I would think, my guess, is that we've got more shy Trump voters than we did four years ago. Right, exactly. So while most Democrats and pundits are freaking out and saying they're, they're, they're not, like having a last minute freak out and saying they're not convinced Trump loses, even though all they've been saying is Trump wins. I'm having my own completely different <laughs> freak out. Um, and it, it is, it's sort of the same way I felt in 2016. All the science is telling me one thing. Mm -hmm. And my reporting and anecdotal evidence is telling me something else. What if the clock ran out on being able to measure things that way? I don't know that. You know, but my, if, my, if someone asked me today, and I think like 92 people have, <laughs> what I think, I would say my gut tells me that he wins, not based on me wanting him to win or being for or against any uh, candidate, but based on my reporting. Some, but then I would also say the polls also tell us something different. So take with that whatever you want. Um, uh, that that is where Lena Zito is on election day. So I have sort of that opposite reaction that, that every other reporter is having. They're worried that they've like out. Um, they've they've once again not reported in the way that they should. Mm -hmm. And I I worry that maybe science and data catch, catches up with um, enthusiasm. And I think we, well, one thing we know about Pennsylvania is we won't know tonight. Um, our ballots, uh, our mail-in ballots won't start to be certified until Friday or Friday or Saturday. I can't remember at this point because um, our governor has given 
card flying for I don't know what that you know mail in ballots can be accepted all the way up until um, Saturday. Yeah, I think it's the sixth. Yeah, you know, and it's interesting. I mean, as you talk about you know what has to change, and 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 I'm with you by the way. I have no idea. I've been thinking. All week long, even go back to last week. All right, do I want to give my election predictions? I don't have one, to be right. completely honest with you. And I would rather be honest with my audience and say, I don't know what's going to happen right. than to try to look smart and, and make some prediction that I don't feel confident in. I don't know. As you say, right. my my head tells me, all right, looking at the data, yeah, I can see Biden winning. Um, but looking at both the, the and, and not just the crowd size that we've seen for Donald Trump, but the enthusiasm that I've seen, uh, not just locally, but, but all around the country. And you look at the closeness of some of these polls. You look at what happened in 2016. Uh, and my gut tells me, you know what? It, it could happen again. And I think that Democrats are starting to realize that, too. I think they're now maybe tempering uh, expectations a little bit. I would be shocked. I will say this. I would be shocked if we saw a wave election. I know that turnout is going to be much higher than it was four years ago, but I don't think that that translates into a wave. And and one of the things that I've been thinking about, Selena, is you know tomorrow or Friday or next Tuesday, whatever the, the results of the election are ultimately known, that's not going to change the fact that we are a divided nation. Obviously, I'd oh, like yeah. to see the guys that, you know, the people that I like in charge. But regardless of who wins the presidency, this nation is still going to be just as divided as we are today. Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I will tell you that in my measuring of wondering what's going to happen, never once do I use the crowd size as a measuring stick. Because 2012 caught to teach anyone that 35,000 people showing up for Mitt Romney on the night before the election in Bucks County right. had absolutely nothing. But what does tell me, um, that what does make me wonder if Trump wins is based on some of the cultural cues you and I have talked about this, 246,000 brand new gun owners in the state since the summer, uh, 208,000 brand new uh, Republican voters. Now a lot of them are that legacy Democrats who have been voting Republican anyway, but certainly um, there has to be a percentage there. And then these, these, some of these counties up on the top of the um, uh, state, and I, I really heard people to check out this story um, at cleanazino.com about uh, Kyoga and Lycoming. What happens in counties like that? These are conservative counties. These are farmers and evangelical voters and energy workers. They did not turn out with the same enthusiasm as they did in Cambria and Washington and Fayette and Westmoreland in 2016 because to, to their ears, Trump sounded like a outer borough liberal Democrat. Now that they have had results and have tacked on 60,000 new uh, um, Republican voters, it tells me to keep an eye on those, of those areas. They could be the ones that, 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 that those counties at the top of the state, mm -hmm. those small populated counties, they could flip this election. Yeah, that's that's the, you know, just from a political nerd standpoint, um, you know, trying to separate what I want to see happen with what I, 
uh, you know, with, with, with the surprises. That's one of the, the, the great things about covering an election is that each and every year or every cycle, you get those surprises. And all of a sudden, you know, these places that most people don't think about on a daily basis, uh, you know, can have some uh, amazingly important uh, uh, impacts on, on the actual results. And so, you know, you talk again about those you know, we're probably talking about what, uh, uh, 10, 20, 30,000 voters in these counties who could end up being the margin of victory in the state of Pennsylvania. Yeah, absolutely. I think that this will be won or lost on the backs of the people that, that, um, that live in these rural counties. Either they were motivated to show up or they, um, they just thought his comportment uh, was just too much, and they didn't show up at all. They have to show up two to three percent higher they didn't, than they did in 2016 for him to win. They need to offset enthusiasm in the city for Biden, uh, and and that's the unknown. I think the problem with polling is not that uh, they're, they're they're doing something nefarious, but that they don't have enough non-college educated voters in their universe. There's too much weight to a college educated voter. And that's not the universe that shows up in particular in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Now the, what, what happens is, is these college educated suburban voters that live in Bucks County, that live in Allegheny County, that live in Montgomery County, they can't wait to tell someone they're not voting for Trump. And they'll spend 45 minutes with a poster. And they don't mind giving their information out. Conversely, a, a non-college educated voter or a college educated voter in a, in a, in a suburb that doesn't have a big college density population, these voters, uh, don't answer the phone. There's sort of like a 99%, um, um, drop-off ballot, um, bias, uh, in, in polling with them. There's basis, uh, and, and this is very similar also with black voters. There's a distrust that is shared with rural white class, working class, and and black middle class voters of trusting, giving their information to a pollster. You know, again, we'll uh, we'll we'll know soon enough um, how right the polls were. But I do want to ask you one last question. You talk in your column about Philadelphia. Uh, and you say if Biden's citywide vote share in Philly drops below 460,000, as Hillary Clinton's did in 2016, Trump likely wins Pennsylvania again. If Biden gets more than 500,000 votes from Philly, uh, then he probably wins the state. Again, we're not going to know tonight what the uh, Philadelphia uh-huh. vote looks like, but I, I am curious to to get your thoughts on what kind of impact the the riots that we've seen in Philly over the past couple of weeks uh, may have had on the electorate there. I saw... And again, this is one poll, could have been completely off, but I saw one poll that suggested that Donald Trump was getting about 24% support uh, in Philadelphia. And this was uh, about a week and a half ago. Um, do the riots help or hurt Joe Biden uh, there in, uh, in Philadelphia and in eastern Pennsylvania? Well, I think it's complicated. So here's what happened. Um, uh, there, there are a number of, it, it, it's too nuanced to, I think, make a broad assumption. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have middle class blacks who look at the system and they look at Democrats who run the system in the city and they're very frustrated that once again, 
their West Philadelphia shopping district is now torn up, that the city was unable to protect their treasure, was unable to protect them. Do they show up then and vote for a Democrat? I don't know. I don't think so. Or at least they just don't vote at all. The young uh, people, white and black, that were in in those videos doing the distractions, they're not voting. And then let's let's think about the suburban voter who maybe owns a business there, right? Um, But um, or and or likes to come from Philly and and is already feeling sort of trapped by COVID, and now they're sort of trapped by violence. Uh, and they look at and and they look at the the um, the city of Philadelphia who cut the funding um, for the police force already, which cut the funding for those police officers that night to have tasers. And they and you know they're going to ask themselves, is defunding the police the way I want to go? So I think it's complicated, and um, I don't know how honest people would be in a poll about that because they don't want to come across as racist if they're white or not caring if they're black. That's a, uh, all right, I appreciate the insight. And you're right. A, a lot of this stuff is very nuanced. It's not a uh, a simple answer when you're dealing with, you know, the, the motivations of, of individual voters. Uh, I know it's, it's, it, it's, journalists and data wonks, we love to, uh, you know, try to, try to separate the human aspect of the uh, from the vote and just look at the raw data. But as you say, you know, and, and as you report in all of your stories, um, the people who are casting these votes, you know, they've got minds of their own. They've got their own stories. They've got their own histories. They've got their own thoughts on where this country has been and where they want this country to go. Uh, and it is not, uh, again, it, it makes it very difficult, I think, to uh, to prognosticate uh, on a grand scale. But I certainly do appreciate your Election Day thoughts, Selena. Thank you for all of your coverage. I've got to ask you one last question. I mean, when do you start covering the 2022 elections? How long are you going to be off the road here? I'm, I'm still covering 2012. <laughs> <laughs> I literally, I have been exhausted since November 2012. <laughs> And and I don't I, I, I don't see it's just it's just a constant thing. Well, listen, I always enjoy reading wherever you go and the uh, stories that you manage to uncover. Uh, thank you again for spending some time with us today, and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks so much, Cam. I appreciate Selena being with us on the program today, and you know, look as I said, I I, I would rather be honest with you and tell you I don't know what's going to happen. And pretend that I have some sort of, uh, you know, uh, uh, secret knowledge that I'm going to impart with you. I think anybody who tells you that they are 100% confident in their election predictions is probably deluding themselves at this point. There are so many unknowns. But uh, one of the things that we do know, as I mentioned, is the fact that no matter who wins, we are going to be a continue to be a divided nation. And as gun owners, we are still going to have fights. Even if Donald Trump gets reelected, we are still going to have fights. Now, listen, I would much prefer those fights to be at the state level. I would much prefer those fights to take place without the Supreme Court under threat of being packed full of anti-gun justices. Uh, As far as our rights are concerned, yes, I would much rather have Donald Trump in the White House than Joe Biden in the White House. But even if Donald Trump wins, our fight is not finished. And if Joe Biden wins, All is not lost. 
how about that for a uh, maybe that surprises you now listen we will face an anti-gun administration the likes of which we've never seen before and again uh, a lot is going to depend on the democrats demands to pack the supreme court to try to uh, undo as much of the last four years as they possibly can those fights are going to be real they're going to be significant and they are going to involve the uh, very fundamental meaning of what it means to possess that right to keep and bear arms in this country. Uh, but as I said, all is not lost. And we'll take things one step at a time. So try to be calm today. Try not to get too stressed out. The sun is going to come up tomorrow. And one way or the other, the fight is going to continue. The most important thing is to remain engaged, remain involved, and to stay in the fight. All right, let's get to our armed citizen story, our good deed of the day, our recidivist report. We'll start there with a a story out of Hawaii, where a Hilo man has been charged in the uh, murder uh, of an individual back on Halloween. As it turns out, uh, this suspect, well known to uh, law enforcement, yeah, with dozens of arrests to his name, Uh, 41-year-old Davi Franklin Alvarez Sr. has been convicted of 37 different criminal charges in his life. Of those convictions, four are for Class C felonies, including two for felony domestic abuse, plus escape, first-degree terroristic threatening. Misdemeanor counts uh, include second-degree terroristic threatening, two counts of misdemeanor domestic violence, violated protective order. Uh, The victim in this case identified uh, by police as Noel Kiala Tomiko Buffett, who lived in an apartment unit at the Hilo Valhalla Apartments where the stabbing death occurred. Uh, Police had said that Alvarez and Buffett were acquainted. Uh, Lieutenant Rio Ammon Wilkins with the Hawaii Police Department's Hilo Criminal Investigation Section said this week he has a girlfriend. He and the girlfriend apparently have been staying there off and on for several weeks. Apparently they recently moved out, uh, but there was some sort of dispute. And on Halloween, again, Alvarez allegedly stabbed Buffett to death. Now, I would love to know why it is that Mr. Alvarez, out on the streets, after uh, 37 prior convictions, the Hawaii Tribune Herald reports that Alvarez was incarcerated at the Hawaii Community Correctional Center as recently as September the 4th, the date that he posted bond on the domestic abuse and terroristic threatening charges after he was charged with murder, an order was granted to revoke his bail on those charges. But again, after the murder took place. Now, on to our armed citizen story from Columbus, Ohio, the um, the battleground state of Columbus, Ohio. Donald Trump and uh, Joe Biden uh, issuing uh, messages in the waning days of the campaign to uh, the residents of the Buckeye State. Uh, meanwhile, a homeowner in Columbus tried to warn a burglar. It's uh, not a good thing to be breaking into his home, but um, a burglar didn't seem to listen. According to NBC4, it was about uh, 1 o'clock this morning. Officer observed vehicle parked in front of a home in the 600 block of Ann Street. While investigating the vehicle, a, a resident of the home approached the officer, said that a man had broken into his home and he had shot the suspect. The officer then located 32-year-old Brandon Long Henry lying in the back seat of the car that the officer was investigating, uh, suffering from a gunshot wound to the torso. Long Henry taken to an area hospital in critical condition. Police say he is expected to recover. Uh, they continue to investigate this case, but uh, right now, again, looks like a pretty clear-cut case of self-defense on the part of that homeowner in Ohio's capital city. And finally today, our good deed of the day from Tucson, Arizona. Kay Gunn 
with the uh, story of Antonio Rivi, uh, Rivera, uh, who back on August the 12th witnessed a car accident as he was on his way uh, to a work client. He said uh, it was a little Prius, and all of a sudden she got up and sped in front of me and then uh, hit the car in front of me. And I was like, whoa, what happened? And I noticed that the car got hooked on the truck in front of me. He said as the woman's Prius continued moving forward, her car detached from the truck in front of her. He said, I looked over and I saw this lady driving unconscious. Like her head was tilted back. You could see foam coming out of her mouth. And, you know, I was already going to stop. And I saw her car and just crossing the medium going towards the incoming traffic. I didn't even think about it. Rivera said he quickly drove in front of the car, hit it with his own, pushed it out of the way of oncoming traffic and saved the life of the woman who was having a seizure. He said, I got out of my car. Funny enough, he said, my first reaction when I opened her door was, where's my mask? He said, I checked her pulse. I was trying to know, just, you know, get back in her in her car so she could get some air, basic CPR stuff. The paramedics and law enforcement arrived just a, a couple of minutes later, able to uh, save the woman. Uh, he has not been in contact with the woman that he helped save, but Rivera says that a Tucson police officer did update him on her condition a month later. He said, I'm just happy that she's okay. I'm happy that she's alive, happy that she's with her kid. He says, you know, I've got a mom, single mom, and, uh, you know, it just makes me feel very blessed, he said. Now, Anthony Rivera, not just a hometown hero there in Tucson, Arizona, but an American hero as well. He has served two tours in Iraq. It's been about three years uh, there in theater. Received a Purple Heart uh, for uh, injuries received there in Iraq. And he says of his most recent act of heroism, he said, you know, I didn't do it to seek recognition or anything like that, but I am proud of it because my two boys are going to be able to see that. And they're going to be able to see that you've got to help anybody, no matter what, no matter what you do. Tucson Police Department going to be recognizing Anthony Rivera's bravery with a ceremony, November 13th, 10 o'clock in the morning, and uh, in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing. Anthony Rivera there in Tucson, Arizona. We thank you, sir, for your very good deed, as well as your service to this great nation. That is all the time we've got for you on this Election Day edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program. Hey, for our VIP gold members, tomorrow, Wednesday, 1.30 p.m., Hot Air's Ed Morrissey and myself are going to be uh, talking about the election aftermath, what we know so far. I would encourage you to uh, sign up. You get 25% off if you use the promo code LOYALTY and become a VIP gold member. Uh, otherwise, we'll be back tomorrow with another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company as well. Don't forget, you can subscribe to Town Hall Media. Or if you just want the audio version, you can go to Spotify, SoundCloud, uh, Apple Podcasts. You can find us there as well. Have a great rest of your Election Day Tuesday. Be well, be safe, be free. And we'll see you soon with another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company.